Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome, everyone, to the PFF Fantasy Podcast IDP Edition. I'm your host, John Macri, fantasy analyst here at PFF, and I am here to bring you another weekly IDP preview episode, and I'm very excited to be joined by one of my personal favorites from footballguys.com, the one and only Dynasty Trip. Trip, how are you today? I'm doing well, man. It's great to be on, John. I always enjoy talking football with you. It's about halfway through the season, and still lots of excitement. I was really impressed this week with only one game, more than seven and a half points on the line. So. Looking forward to some good football. Yeah, yeah, it should be good. Um, yeah, a lot of good teams are are on by as well, which 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 you know can make things interesting for sure. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, it should be close games, like you said. So uh, it'll be interesting. We'll go through it. Um, yeah, I appreciate you coming on here. It's always fun to talk football with you as well. And yeah, get it, dive into your brain and get your insight into to the world of IDP and defensive football. So this will be fun. Um, but yeah, as everybody knows that's been listening to the show, basically we're gonna go game by game um, and. We'll have time stamping stamps in the episode description. I'll put those in there so you guys can jump around and find the games that you're looking for. Um, we'll cover some of the main like storylines for each team or what we're looking for. We'll focus on like favorite matchups or least favorite matchups, whatever um, is most interesting for each game and each team. We will focus on that. And then, um, yeah, for the YouTube crowd, we got the ma- matchup based visuals back as well. So uh, I know again, like a lot of the audio listeners and, and stuff, we have a lot more over there, but um, if you want to see some of these matchup based visuals, come on over to the YouTube um, and it does help uh, you kind of get a better feel for things because we're not necessarily going to talk about every single player on every single team, especially at this point in the season. We kind of know who is who and what to expect from them. Um, But yeah, come on over and you can see all those matchup based visuals as well to kind of help you sort out your lineups a little better as well. Um, and then, yeah, I, I'll uh, I'll be sure to you know check in on the YouTube uh, throughout the week and answer if there's any start sit questions and interact with folks if needed as well. So feel free to hop in the comments, ask some questions, uh, like and subscribe as well while you're here. But uh, yeah, it'll be fun. And then I'll link the um, my link to the IDP rankings and the PFF fantasy IDP report in the episode description as well. So that has all the waiver wire targets, snap shares, utilization for all the IDPs from this past week too. Um, so yeah, we're going to get into it, but before we do one, uh, one quick, uh, shout out to our presenting sponsor here, fabric by Gerber life. 
Fall is all about the back to school and back to routine checklist. And the most important task on that list is securing your family's financial future, starting with life insurance. Fabric by Gerber Life makes it quick, easy, and affordable to protect your family so you can get back to enjoying life. Fabric was designed by parents for parents to help you get a high quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. Fabric has flexible policies that fit your family and your budget with quality policies like a million dollars in coverage for less than a dollar a day. Get your personalized quote in just minutes and then apply when it's convenient for you. It's all online and on your schedule. You can go from start to cover in less than 10 minutes with no health exam required. Join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com slash fantasy. That's meetfabric.com slash fantasy. M-E-E-T fabric.com slash fantasy. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company. Not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. All right, Trip. let's get things started here with Thursday night football and, you know, talking about some of the interesting games of the week. This one should be uh, interesting to say the least here. Carolina Panthers at the Chicago Bears. Uh, where do you want to start with uh, with this Thursday night matchup? Well, I think the probably important point to touch on is that big news in Carolina, at least judging by the waiver wire activity in my leagues, was the signing of Blake Martinez. Uh, <laughs> You know, retired, got into some trouble with some Pokemon, something or other, which my kids could explain to me. I certainly can't follow. But I still think that they're, the more important news and, and, and for fantasy is is Frankie Lubu, who had a bit of a swoon there for two, three weeks in a row, and but is now back and putting up the LB1 type numbers over the last couple, three weeks. He's getting some sacks, getting tackles for loss. And the last time, and we saw recently in national television, Tyler Bajent and, and his Chicago Bears go out and take on the Los Angeles Chargers and both of the linebackers for the Chargers in that game eight. Uh, so I'm, I'm expecting something similar this week. I would be high on Frankie Luvu and, uh, and and be excited about the opportunity to plug him into my matchup. Uh, I think it's a couple evenly matched teams in the sense that you got two teams that they're kind of struggling to find some direction. And uh, so, and I, at full disclosure, I'm a Panthers fan. So I'm curious to see if the Panthers are in fact the worst team in the league or not. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. I hope not. I, I, I feel like the, this Bears team is going to give them a run for their money for sure. But right. um, yeah, I'm with you. I think Frankie Louvu definitely uh, the most interesting linebacker on uh, the Panthers still at this point, even with the Blake Martinez signing. We'll see what happens there. I, I can't imagine Blake Martinez works in significantly this week, especially with it being a short, a short week. He just signed to the team. I, I will probably have to wait a couple weeks to see what his role can really be um, be over there in Carolina and if he's going to be a useful IDP asset or not. But definitely not somebody that you're necessarily starting yet. But we know that he's been uh, a really good tackler for IDP. So we'll see if Pokemon has made him rusty at all in, in any kind of way. It'll be interesting um, to see here. So... Yeah, I guess uh, anything else from Carolina? Uh, Brian Burns is, is going to be out with a concussion. Um, th their defensive line, I mean, if you're looking for a Brian's, Brian Burns replacement this week, you're probably not finding it on Carolina. I don't know about you, Trip, but I don't feel great about any of the Brian Burns potential replacements for the Panthers. Is there anybody that um, you feel okay about, or is this a group that you're just looking, you're looking elsewhere? Yeah, there's nobody that I would want to start. I guess the only player that I'd be watching to see how he performs is the rookie DJ Johnson. Just out of some curiosity, more than else, more than anything else. But yeah, you've got you've got to be in a super deep league and hard up to want to plug DJ Johnson into your lineup at this point. I would say that Derek Brown is mildly interesting in that he's been playing 85, 90 percent of snaps all season. So he's he's seems to have been a little bit. I don't think he's ever going to be an All Pro type player, but he seems to have played a little bit better this year. Earned a workload. 
So that's a guy that uh, if you're playing in DT required leagues and, you know, especially D2, then he's probably every week starter for you. But I don't hate him as your only DT if you've got guys on bye week and such like, say, Javon Hargrave or, or Fletcher Cox and Jalen Jan Carter. Yeah, I'm with you. I think Derek Brown, yeah, solid option um, for those DT required leagues for sure. And the good thing, Chicago gives up the 10th most tackles per game to the defensive line. Um, so there, there's potential there for some some decent tackle production for Derek Brown. And you got Justin Fields um, on the other side. Well, actually, you don't have Justin Fields. What am I saying? Um, you have Tyson Bagent, who is much better so far at avoiding sacks compared to Justin Fields. Um, but we'll see how much of that continues here. Um, but again, it's not the most scary defensive line to have to deal with. Um, yeah, other than that, Carolina, I mean, we saw Alex Cook at safety last week. Sam Franklin was relegated to a special teams role. So I, I don't have a ton of interest in, in Alex Cook, uh, particularly. So I don't know that there's really that much more here on Carolina. So just to move to Chicago here, um, I guess the most interesting thing for me, this will be game two now for Montez Sweat with the Bears. So last week, I think he only had three tackles or something like that. No sacks. And we, we kind of talked about it last week too when when Bobby was on and and I talked about how the, the change in scenery is going to be pretty drastic for Montez Sweat going from Washington to to Carol or to Chicago here. The the difference in in players around him and the opportunity for those cleanup sacks and cleanup pressures, which he was leading the league, um, leading all edge defenders in heading into last week. He had the most cleanup pressures in the league. So um, I think it could be difficult for Montez Sweat to potentially, you know, continue as that every week starter for IDP purposes. But this isn't the worst matchup either against uh, against the Chicago Bears for him. So how do you feel about Montez Sweat here in uh, in Chicago? Yeah, I wrote up. I wrote him up in my column at FootballGuys.com a week or two ago. He's just a guy that I just I just feel compelled to fade the rest of the way. A couple yeah. reasons. One is that the pass rush production is, is just not going to be there without the the uh, the other studs on the defensive line that he had there. The Bears have a weak pass rush, and on the tackle front, that was one thing that was interesting about him in terms of keeping him afloat as a as a quality starter each week was that he had twice as many tackles as Chase Young did when they played together. And I expect that to fall off here with the Bears. The Bears defensive ends in total only had 43 tackles between them going into last week's game. And I think it's just a scheme that sends the pass rushers upfield and they're spilling the tackles to linebackers and the same opportunity just isn't there. So with a lower sack floor and a lower tackle floor, it's just not a guy I can be comfortable starting. I'm looking to see what other options I have if I'm in a typical starting two defensive ends with uh with 12 team leagues yeah I'm, I'm with you the pass rush metrics haven't really been there this year even though he has those six and a half sacks they came with uh the commanders and you know again it's not the worst matchup in the world if you do have to start him but again especially when you see those tougher matchups for chicago i could <laughs> definitely see him being somebody that uh, we're benching uh for certain weeks for sure um other things on Chicago, really, we'll see if Tremaine Edmonds is playing. I haven't seen anything significant to say that he is playing or isn't playing. I don't know if you've seen anything um, today or, or recently that he, that that tells otherwise that if he's going to play or not. I've seen it on a court in MFL. He's out. He's out. Okay. So, yeah, Jack Sanborn then gets plugged in, right? So, Jack Sanborn, definitely a startable asset here mm -hmm. for IDP. I have him as LB23. TJ Edwards, obviously, we know we're starting him. He's been awesome this year. Um, 
but then, yeah, other than that, the, the only other thing I wanted to point out is that Carolina now ranks first in tackles surrendered to the cornerback position. Um, so that is great news for Chicago corners, guys like Tyreek Stevenson and Kyler Gordon. So Kyler Gordon, I think, is particularly interesting for, for me because I, I have him as, as a top cornerback this week. He's steadily increased his defensive snap share in each of the past four weeks since he's returned from injured reserve. Um, he's most recently played 94% of the team's defensive snaps as well. Um, I think he plays a full-time role this week. He plays mostly out of the slot and the Panthers play the second highest rate of 11 personnel on the year as well. So that definitely helps his opportunity to get to stay on the field for the defense and, and allow him to be involved. And Again, Panthers giving up the most tackles per game to the cornerback position, 16.1. I think this makes a, a nice matchup here for Kyler Gordon and even uh, Tyreek Stevenson, who's been really solid this year as well. I like Stevenson, too. He's proven the idea of the rookie corner rule. Once in a yeah. while, you do get one of those to pop up, and there's Tyreek Stevenson, I think, is in the top five and tackles among corners, and he's missed at least a game, too. So I think he compiled 12 tackles one game a couple of weeks yeah. ago so yeah it's, it's a guy that's that you're putting out there as a punching bag yeah for sure um all right let's go on to the next game on the list here and that is the indianapolis colts at the new england patriots but it's actually in germany um so this will be interesting again another sunday morning game as far as where to start in this one i mean Let's. I guess let's start with the Indianapolis Colts linebackers because we did get uh, kind of blindsided last week by the surprise appearance of Segan Olubi, um, who came in and with Zaire Franklin out, he stepped in. This is a guy, 2022 UDFA linebacker out of San Diego State. He was only a one-year starter there, and that was in 2021. He didn't grade well in college 54.9 defensive grade 50 coverage grade um he had only played nine defensive snaps in the nfl prior to last week when he became the full-time 100 snap player uh for the colts linebacker core i mean one of the main takeaways i took from this is that the coaching staff obviously hates Shaq Leonard and and apparently EJ Speed as well, right? Because I I don't know. I th th this was this was really surprising to me. I don't know if Alubi is going to be much better if Franklin misses this week either, because he had five missed tackles um, in that last game. At so he had thirty eight point five percent missed tackle rate, which is really really bad. So hopefully Zaire Franklin is back this week, but I don't know. I I was surprised by. It. Were you surprised to see? Second Olubi out there trip or oh yeah yeah hundred percent yeah. right this is he's this guy just comes out of nowhere and Shaq Leonard's snap total he somehow goes down despite the fact that Franklin's not out there right like what are we what are we doing here I saw an interesting little piece from 107 the fan uh in a local, local indie radio station about about um Leonard talking about his role and not being free to play and whatnot but I go back to the Raiders when Gus Bradley was there too he had Corey Littleton and and that kind of ended Corey Littleton's career there. He just does it just seems like these athletic, free-ranging linebackers just don't seem to fit the Gus Bradley mold. He's looking for thumpers. Yeah. Yeah. That, that it was it was really shocking. I I hopefully, hopefully Zaire Franklin is back. We don't have to deal with it um this week. But yeah, otherwise, like Shaq Leonard, EJ Speed, these aren't guys you're necessarily starting in most leagues. We know that Shaq Leonard's playing only on early downs, EJ Speed only playing on those third and fourth downs. Um, so trying to avoid those guys where you can, but Zaire Franklin, obviously if he plays, he, he's LB five for me this week. Um, anybody else on the Colts that's particularly interesting, uh, for you? 
Are you always excited to start the Forrest Buckner? And I like his matchup yeah. this week. And yeah, it'll get to Mac Jones and Bill Belichick into the incognito program over there in Germany. My wife jokes every year that somebody gets fired when they fly back from Europe every single season. Who is it <laughs> going to be this year? <laughs> yeah, it will be interesting, especially knowing that the, the Patriots, uh, their struggles this year, too. Right. So, yeah, you never know. It, it could be somebody. But, yeah, I'm with you. DeForest Buckner, I think I have him as DT1 um, this week, uh, especially with guys like Aaron Donald out as well So uh, and Chris Jones. So that, that'll be... Uh, a decent matchup here. Um, the the Patriots pass blocking unit has been poor. They're bottom 10 uh, in the league. So speaking of the Patriots, because I don't know that there's anything. I mean, obviously, we're starting Kenny Moore for Indianapolis as well. So there's not like a ton else really that's super interesting for the Colts. So let's move to New England and. I want. I guess I want to look at maybe who you think are the most trustworthy IDPs for the New England Patriots. So. I tend to think it's mostly Kyle Duggar and Jawan Bentley. Maybe you can sprinkle Jabril Peppers in, in there recently. I don't know. How, how, do, how about you? Where Where is your trust level, I guess, with these Patriots uh, IDPs on a weekly basis? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. It's really just Duggar and Bentley. But I will say that's more second and third level guys than we've seen in a whole lot of years out of New England, right? The idea that we have a set it and forget it 100% player linebacker is just it's been since Dante Hightower from, you know, practically a decade ago where we were really excited to start that linebacker. And 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 uh, Bentley did something that Hightower used to do, which is get a sack or two, uh, two sacks last week and put up a huge week. So that's been a nice surprise. It's been a good value for folks. I mean, he, he went drafted in most leagues, but more as an LB4, LB5 type. And he's certainly been a good return on investment for that. As far as uh, yeah. Peppers goes, it's, it's, it's interesting. He's just back from the dead, like, yeah. I mean, he was. I, I admit, I didn't see that coming either. But uh, I, you know, I think I, I was writing early in the season, and I stick by. You know, you got more, you got more stomach than me if you're going to plug him in every week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's been, he's had his, his, his moments this, this season for sure, and, and the snap share seems to be there for him. Mm -hmm. um, the good thing is uh, Indianapolis giving up the seventh most tackles per game to the safety position, so. Really like that for guys like Kyle Duggar, especially. I have a safety four this week. Jabril Peppers uh, in a solid spot as well, a potential deeper leagues. But um, Indianapolis also giving up the eighth most points to uh, the line or the eighth most tackles, sorry, to the linebacker position. So I get Jawan Bentley, LB19 as well. Feel pretty good about him. Um, but yeah, other than that, like you said, it, it's kind of an untrustworthy group. There, there's a lot of shuffling in that defense for sure. So um, deeper leagues, you can definitely try to find some guys. Um, I, again, we have the rankings and everything on PFF.com as well. Um, they could check out and I have the link in the, the description too. So not going to go too deep into those guys, but anybody else on uh, New England uh, or Indianapolis that you want to talk about or should we yeah, go on? The last guy to look at there for New England is Josh Uche after not getting traded, right. despite rumors of the trade deadline, is uh, is off the injury report, and uh, you gotta think that it must be he must be a go this week with how thin the Patriots are at edge this week, and it's not a guy you want to start, but you want to see if, if what's there if anything. Yeah, I'll be really interested to kind of see if especially considering the personnel there that they have with Judon out, and and there's just really nobody on the edge, so. If Belichick feels comfortable playing him in more than like a pass rush specialist role, because that's pretty much all he's been right since he's entered the N the NFL. And I, I was curious to see if he got traded, would he play a different role on a different team or would he stay as that kind of DPR? So I, I think it, he's 
a good a very good pass rusher and just want to see him play a little bit more on like early downs kind of raise that production floor a little bit too but definitely mm-hmm. an interesting player um and yeah i i'll be curious about him as well that's a good call all right, let's go to the Cleveland Browns and the Baltimore Ravens trip. Uh, this should be a pretty good one. Um, anywhere that you want to start with uh, with this game. Well, it's interesting to see Dalvin Tomlinson show up for a couple of sacks just out of nowhere. I was a hog molly playing in the, in the last game. I, I would I would call that a, fall, a flash in the pan. I would not would not be chasing that, but uh, it's, it was interesting nonetheless to see that. The player, the opposite defensive tackle on the opposite side of the of the field is who I'm more interested in. That's Justin Matabuki. He's leading all interior defenders in sacks this year. Uh, really, and I really think a lot of that has to do with how well the Ravens have played as a defense, which has been, which, you know, it's been a nice, nice, uh, slightly surprising. I I thought that they were good, I, but they've really been good. And Matabuki has really been the beneficiary. They have lots of guys, Jadavian Clowney, Kyle Van Noy, just are able to get sacks in this defense. So, and with the Browns, you've got the top, uh, one of the top uh, opponents. So you get tackles allowed per game. The defensive line position for the Browns are, are allowing the most. And, and so you've got that piece of it. And then Lamar Jackson does hold the ball. He likes to take off. So there's a good opportunity for Matabuki to, to, to continue his streak, I think, of five consecutive games with a sack. Yeah, he's been he's been really fun and yeah, I you know, he's not somebody that like has amazing pass rush metrics or or anything like that, right? So kind of an overachiever as far as sacks go, but like you said the defense itself is allowing these guys to kind of get home and buy them some time and and scheme up some pressures and sacks and it, it's working for them and I, yeah, I'm with you. I like the matchup a lot. But like you said, Brown's giving up the most tackles to the defensive line position. Deshaun Watson owns a 20.3% pressure to sack conversion rate on the year, which is the 14th highest as well so uh, a nice little matchup there for Matabuke I think I have him as DT7 this week so um, pretty high on him as well um, sticking with the Ravens again the Browns they're they're a great matchup for linebackers they give up the what do they give up fifth most tackles to the linebacker position so Roquan Smith Patrick Queen these guys are locked into your lineups pretty much no matter what but the Browns also give up the 10th most tackles to the safety position so Kyle Hamilton potentially could get in some some more production this week I would hope it's been kind of interesting right because with Marcus Williams out of the lineup and I think we've talked about this a few times on this podcast Kyle Hamilton's not getting the ideal usage that we would hope to see from Kyle Hamilton right they just don't seem to feel comfortable enough leaving Geno Stone kind of on an island back there even though Geno Stones keeps coming up with interceptions somehow um they they still want Hamilton to seem to kind of want to play him deep when Marcus Williams isn't in the lineup but um that that has hurt his tackle production quite a bit so we'll see if Marcus Williams is back this week last I checked he was questionable so um that could change things a little bit but still feel decent about Kyle Hamilton this week I think I have him as safety 10. Nice. Um, and then on the Brown side of things, yeah, you mentioned Dalvin Tomlinson. Um, yes, really good uh, player for for NFL purposes. Not the most amazing IDP, um, what we've seen, even though he did get home. Um, but other than that, Grant Delpit is the other guy that I, I really like this week. Again, 
He's my safety too. He's been on really a tear these last three games. He's had 26 total tackles and a half sack over the last three, which he's been able to do basically because of his ideal alignment and and really good tackle efficiency. He's played 48% of his snaps in the box this year, um, and he ranks fifth among safeties in tackle efficiency at 12.2% as well. So solid there. The the Ravens given up the second most um, tackles to the safety position as well. So uh, a really nice matchup for Grant Delpit to, to kind of take advantage of. But anybody else on the Browns, I mean, Aside from Miles Garrett, obviously, um, that that you're yeah exactly uh, that that you're interested in uh, for this week. Yeah, I took a look at the linebackers, and it just they're just not going to be a guy that's going to stand out, even though it's an ideal, not ideal, but awfully good matchup for linebacker production in this game. You got to wonder if the Ravens can control it and really feed linebackers, but you'd have to be really. You'd have to be a gambler to stick Anthony Walker in your lineup, especially after last week. One thing that was really fascinating to me about Delpit is that he, he he had ten tackles, eight assists, and two or sorry, eight solos and two assists. And the the Cardinals only provided like thirty eight tackle opportunities for the whole game between completed passes and running attempts, which is a fascinatingly low number. And for Grant Delpit to have been in on more than a quarter of those is. is Kind of an outstanding, quite an anomaly for at one point, but yeah. also just shows you just that, you know, that that's really the one tackle that you really want to start on this defense, and really nobody else. Yeah, I'm with you 100. Like uh, the the Ravens giving up the most tackles per game to the linebacker position uh, according to the PFF numbers, right? But it's it's so hard to trust any of these Browns linebackers. Like I have Anthony Walker's LB 50 um, this week, just because like he's just not playing enough right there. The way they shuffle these guys around, it's just not worth trying to plug them into lineups. And given Grant Delpit's alignments too, playing 48% in the box, he could eat up a lot of those linebacker snaps too. So it really works well for, for Grant Delpit to be the, the kind of key beneficiary this week. Um, but I feel like that's pretty much the main players from this game. I think we should move on and go to uh, the Houston Texans at the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, all right, let's start with the Houston Texans uh, linebacker rotation here because in week nine, it, it kind of changed again, right? So Blake Cashman played only 82% of snaps, um, but he led the group. Then we had Denzel Perriman and Christian Harris. They played 65% and 62% respectively. Um, and then meanwhile, it was it was RIP to our guy, Hanky Two Toes, who played just 20% of snaps. Um, that's Henry To'o To'o. Only two of his snaps came in the, in the second half. On the first appearance in that fourth quarter, he was immediately targeted uh, for a K-dot and touchdown. So seems to have fallen out of favor here with D'Amico Ryans and the, the Texans coaching staff. We thought this about Christian Harris also earlier in the year. So D'Amico Ryans clearly frustrated with uh, with the, his options at linebacker, which it's not surprising when you go from Fred Warner and Drake Greenlaw to uh, the group that the Texans have here. But Blake Cashman's played fairly well, but it was a bit concerning to see his um, snap share drop off to 82% as well. So I'll be curious. What do you? What's your kind of read on this Texans linebacker group? Do you feel okay about plugging in Cashman and anybody else that you'd want to play? Uh, yeah, I, man, I'd be I'd be awfully hesitant to play Cashman. It's really more about track record than anything else. This guy's been in the league for several years, hasn't been able to earn a job. He was with the Jets for a while. They brought in Quincy Williams to replace him. 
uh, you know, which he eventually worked out. But when Quincy Williams got there, he was not playing well. and He kept Bashman off the field. And the, the, the guy that they signed and put paid the money to is Denzel Perryman. I really think the reason he's not playing uh, more snaps lately that's true with health for a couple of games it's because he had a club on his hand and it was in, impaired his ability to make tackles and he's banged up he's not at practice today and so that's if he's if he's cleared and is healthy if he's got that questionable tag that i probably wouldn't roll with him i tend to fade guys that have injury tags if i have any concern about them but if if, if denzel, denzel perriman is off the injury report by the end of the week and clear to play that's the only guy i really want to play from that linebacking group yeah, I, I think that's fair. I, I think there's definitely a chance that we see Perriman kind of work in a little bit more as well. Um, just because, again, they're not happy with uh, Henry To'o To'o. They're not happy with Christian Harris. Blake Cashman, like you said, um, you know, he's played well this year, but we kind of know what he is as well. And he's, he's the guy with the, the super short T-Rex arms as well. Um, so <laughs> we'll see, you know, how, how D'Amico Ryans feels about that kind of long term. But um, Denzel Perriman, yeah, I, I was really excited about him heading into the year, but obviously hasn't been able to stay healthy. And um, I do have him ranked behind Blake Cashman this week, but I don't mind in those deeper leagues if you're desperate, you got guys on bye week or whatever. If you need to play Denzel Perriman, I think there's a chance that he plays more than that 65% snap share this week, like Tripp said uh, as well. Um, other things on the Texans that I thought was interesting. So uh, the Cincinnati Bengals are giving up, um, where do I have it here? The fifth most tackles to the cornerback position. So the player that kind of stood out to me was Tavier Thomas. Um, so I felt like I like him as maybe more of a deep league streamer this week going against Cincinnati. So, uh, he hasn't played like a full-time role this season. He's missed a chunk of games on injured reserve. He's not exceeding 88% of defensive snaps in any one game, which is why he's kind of outside the top 24 corners for me. He's CB 27, um, but he is the team's primary nickel corner. I think he could see more utilization this week against the Bengals who run the fourth most, the fourth highest rate of 11 personnel in the league. Thomas also leads all defensive backs who have played at least 25% of snaps in tackle efficiency with 16.4%. So there's kind of enough reason there to, to like him this week, at least for me, in a, in a favorable matchup. So deeper leagues, looking for a corner streamer, uh, Tavier Thomas is, is one that that's pretty interesting to me. I'm with you there. This guy's had no fewer than six tackles in any of the four games that he's played. And this week he's going to take on uh, – Tyler Boyd uh, and the and the Bengals and Boyd has been more involved in the offense than than he has been in some time. Uh, he's, he's not he's super highly targeted, just five targets against the against the Bills last week. But um, yeah, 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 I think that's a an interesting call too. I, I I like the idea of Thomas if you're especially if you're in a league where you got three cornerbacks, you might be starting. Uh, it's worth worth the dart throw for sure. Yeah, yeah, and then Jamar Chase and T. Higgins are both banged up as well, so there there could be more reason to kind of involve Tyler Boyd this week as well. So anybody else from the Texans that you want to talk about? We didn't talk about their defensive line at all, but uh, it's not, you know, an amazing matchup for them as far as it's not, it's decent. I mean, the, the Bengals mm -hmm. pass blocking unit hasn't been great. They're bottom 10 unit in the league, and, and Joe Burrow's just been about average at avoiding sacks. So um, anybody else for Houston that that stands out for you no it's it's the uh, Jonathan Greener just put up some pretty yeah. impressive sack numbers but the this, this is probably isn't the week I'd want to I'd want to chase that I feel like Will Anderson's coming on a bit and that's yeah. but um 
again, with the way the Bengals seem to have gotten themselves situated, I would, I'd be probably leaning against starting those guys if I had comparable options. Well, I, I find interesting is the safety situation, to be honest with you. you know, part of injuries have really made that rotation a hot mess. But the reality is that they're not getting a ton of production from the entire position. I mean, it's not been bearable or anything, but it's not been the, the, you know, 140 some odd tackles like Petra had last year. It's been just interesting to see how the, the change in the defense has, has modified that. It really made Petra largely interchangeable statistically with the guy he's played next to all throughout the course of the season. Yeah, and we, we we I feel like we it was one of the things that we talked about quite a bit in the offseason was the potential regression there for Jalen Petrie, especially going into a basically a completely new defensive system too, right? So that's definitely hurt him. I know he was consistently one of the top five, if not the top safety drafted in, in redraft this year. So um definitely hurting a lot of managers that spent up to, to draft Jalen Petrie. The Bengals are giving up the six most tackles per game to the safety position, so I don't mind him this week. I think I have him as safety 12. Uh, there's potential that Jimmy Ward might be out as well. He, he got hurt last game, right? So um, if you're looking for a potential safety streamer, DeAndre Houston Carson uh, was the next man up for the Texans last week and, and could potentially play again here uh, next to Petrie in a positive matchup. So um, just something to kind of keep in mind there for uh, those deeper leagues. On the Bengals side of things, the only thing that's kind of out of the, the ordinary for me, because, I mean, we, we know about their linebackers. We know their defensive line. The corners have been solid. The safety position, uh, Nick Scott has been really difficult for me to kind of trust on, on a weekly basis. I don't know about you, but his snaps since week one have been I'll, I'll read them out here 97 percent in week one then down to 65 percent then back up to 96 percent and 92 percent then back down to 67 percent up to 92 percent down to 66 percent and then back up over to 88 percent so he's really been all over the map um he's also earned the second worst defensive grade for safeties this year 38.1 and he has the worst coverage grade as well 30.9 so he just feels like he's going to lose his job at any given moment here. It's just kind of circling the drain at this point. The production from the last four weeks has kind of sucked as well. Three tackles, three tackles, three tackles, four tackles. Just not good. So he started the year fine. He had a couple 11 tackle games and a nine tackle game in there, but it's really been downhill ever since. So for anybody that's still holding on to Nick Scott, I, I don't know. I feel fine benching him, even dropping him um, at this point, because I have him as like safety 46 this week. Yeah, he's not a guy pursuing up. But part of his tackle um, low output last week was because the Bengals played a lot of five-man fronts with two high safeties against against the Bills, which makes sense because their aggressive downfield scheme. But what the Texans did last week against the Buccaneers, it makes you wonder if that's something that they would return to because uh, the, the, well, I didn't get a chance to watch the game, but Buccaneers aren't typically a big two-high team or a one-high team, and they just got chewed up by C.J. Stroud and, and the, yeah. the huge pass off, what 470 yards passing, I think was the rookie record for one game. And so I, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Bengals sit back a little bit, which makes Nick Scott just unstartable. Yeah. Yeah. I think that makes perfect sense. Um, anybody else from Cincinnati or, or you want to move on? Move on. <laughs> let's do it. Um, all right. Let's go to the San Francisco 49ers at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, trip should be a fun game. Uh, where do you want to start uh, with this group? 
Yeah, I think that the, the, the there's probably one of the two interesting games. I'm really curious to see how this comes out, right? Because we got the 49ers on a three-game skid, if I'm not mistaken, going into the bye. And coming out of that, and the Jaguars, another team that we thought would be good at the beginning of the season, and then we weren't sure, and now we're kind of leading. Yeah, okay, they are good again. So, uh, I, yeah, I'm very curious to see how this goes. Uh, one of the guys that I think you and I were both talking about in preseason was Josh Allen. I had him right on the heels of, there was in my mind there was like a top five obvious consensus top tier of pass rushers and then there was you know another 12 to 14 guys after that and it was, how do you sort them there was a lot of variability from mm-hmm. from person to person about how that went i i had josh allen high up there and so uh, i it, it's it's josh allen's become a guy that i've become to lean on that i've really decided is it's really matchup proof for me unless i have an amazing lineup to the contrary so he's a guy i'm going to trot out there anyway and kind of grin and bear it against the 49ers that brock purdy has been forced to make a couple of mistakes lately people they have seemed to be able to get them off their spots a little bit and so that's a guy that's probably not right to start based on the, the matchup so much for for sacks but it's not perfect in any way but i think there's some sneaky upside there yeah i'm with you i, I feel like i'm not benching josh allen at any point this season based on how he's played and how productive he's been i got him as edge eight so even though you know brock purdy's done a decent job avoiding sacks uh this year the 49ers offensive line has has not been great outside of trent williams right so they're a bottom five pass blocking unit uh in the league right now so there's potential there for josh allen uh, against a typically good defensive or offensive line the only thing is he he typically lines up against that left tackle so he's probably going to see a lot more trent williams unless they they decide to switch that up this week and put him against uh i think it's colton mckivitz at at right tackle there which would would be a huge to his advantage but um either way i'm fine starting josh allen this week for sure um and then everybody else on jacksonville uh feel pretty good about as well i mean uh, rayshon jenkins i have high this week the the 49ers giving up the third most tackles to the safety position you're not really benching foyer lucon ever so you don't have to worry about that and then uh devin lloyd has been solid as well so anybody else on on jacksonville or or do you want to talk about um san francisco yeah i think we covered it yeah, that, it is a pretty uh, straightforward team to, to try to figure out, right? That the, Josh Allen is the lone kind of defensive lineman there that's worth talking mm-hmm. about. The the rest you're probably not starting in most leagues. Um, So the 49ers, obviously they made the big trade at the trade deadline. They acquired Chase Young uh, from the Washington Commanders for a third round pick. So this will be his first game w- with the 49ers. I'll, I'll be really interested to kind of see how they use them and how often they use them. I, I, I mean the primary thing that I'd be kind of keeping an eye on is just playing time um, overall. Right. So the, the the commanders leaned on him pretty heavily. Young was averaging a career high 84% of the defensive snaps um, this season, which is, I feel unlikely to continue in in San Francisco because not even Nick Bosa has averaged 80% or higher in a season during his time with the 49ers, even though, he played 100% of snaps before the bye week, which was uh, really interesting. So it's not impossible that Chase Young will will, will see a heavy workload, but I, I imagine that it's probably just under 80% than, than over the, what we've seen. So um, I, I do think he'll be still heavily involved. How, how do you, how about you? How do you feel about this, this fit here for Chase Young in San Francisco? As far as the fit goes, I like it. I, I'm just, I'm excited to see what he can do in San Francisco. A lot of people are looking at the last game he played with the Eagles, but 
uh, against the Eagles. And but if you watch that game and watch that tape, he's the effort wasn't there. I think he must have known that he was being dealt, and so uh, he may be preserving himself for his next stop. I don't know, but I just uh, somebody posted a, a mashup of it, some of all the snaps on Twitter to compare, compare and contrast him with Casey Tuhill, who replaced him. And so I, I think that, um, and Casey Tuhill, nonstop motor, but he's also like that little kid that had the hand on his head and, you know, can't get past Trent Williams at all. So it's like, <laughs> what are you doing out here, buddy? <laughs> so, yeah. But so um, I'm excited about Chase Young's fit. I think he's, you know, has some upside. As far as the snap production, I definitely agree it's going to happen. I, I'd expect him to see probably closer to 60%. Uh, this week, if they feel like he's acclimated and ready to go, um, and so but the thing is, is that so what? Because the tackles weren't there when he's playing with the Commanders anyway. You're you're starting him if you, if you are starting him, you're doing it because you're looking for sacks, and uh, it, it's got to be something that the light clicks on with this unit with between Javon Hargrave, Eric Armstead got his first two sacks of the season, or I think it's two and a half now. His two first full sacks of the season last time they were out, and so and Nick Bosa is out there with close to leading the league in pressure, but also leading the league in double teams. And mm-hmm. so it's it's obvious that they, these 49ers made made a, made a goal out there to to bring in Randy Gregory and Chase Young and upgrade the unit that they were just not getting out of Dre Jackson. And they had, they were they are starting Cleveland Furl right now, former fourth overall pick of the Raiders. And you had to know going into that 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 was a liability. And boy, it's really proven to be that for them. So it's not surprising that they replace those guys. I'd expect both of those guys, Drake Jackson's role is already severely diminished. I'd expect the same to happen to Cleveland Furl with Chase Young in town. And so you can't be too excited. You wouldn't want to start Chase Young in this matchup, even though it's not awful. But you, you'd you want to see what you have here before you took that, that leap. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I would not be surprised to see his snap share be uh, lower this week, at, like you said, around that 60% range. And if you have Chase Young I wouldn't panic if you see that snap share either. Again, it's going to be his first game with the team. Even though they had the bye week there, um, I, I think we could potentially see it kind of increase a little bit to, in the weeks ahead, but not too much to the point where um, you know he's playing up over eighty-four percent or anything like that. But um, I think he'd still be, you know, based on how he's played this year, he could be a locked-in starter pretty much uh, every yep. week once he's acclimated to the defense there, because um, he's been he's been awesome. So. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, Jaguars given up, uh, the, or sorry, the 49ers, no, uh, Jaguars, Jaguars, the Jaguars, (laughs) yeah, Jaguars are giving up the fourth most, uh, tackles per game to the linebacker position as well. So Fred Warner, Drake Greenlaw, we don't really have to tell you to start those guys. We've been starting anyways. Um, but, uh, yeah. Anybody else, um, in this game that you want to focus on before we move on? It's kind of fascinating that the Jaguars only allowing 31st number of tackles per game to the safety position when they're trotting out Evan. It's just an interesting wrinkle. But um, the folks have probably soured on Talano Hufanga by now. But this wasn't be the time to to get cute and play him. Yeah, yeah. I I, I feel like most people we, we've talked about him a few times on this show as well, and how he's he's had this hype around him, but he just hasn't delivered to the what people's expectations are on a consistent basis. So yeah, not necessarily somebody that you need to start every single week either um, at the safety position. So yeah, it, it's interesting. Jacksonville definitely spreads the ball out uh, quite a bit. We'll see if even Zay Jones comes back this week. That can make things even more uh, interesting for that offense. But uh, should be a fun game either way. That'll definitely be the one. Um, I think that I'll be watching the most as far as the one o'clock games go. Um, 
But yeah, let's let's go on to uh, the New Orleans Saints and the uh, Minnesota Vikings. So for this game, I think let's start with the Minnesota side of things and talk about uh, somebody that, that that I've really liked this year, and that's Jordan Hicks um, of the Minnesota Vikings. So Jordan Hicks, the last, I mean, well, this season, really, he's delivered now double-digit tackles in five of nine games um, this season. He's you know, uh, he's he's been really a top 12 linebacker for IDP in a defense that I think has been kind to him, right? So Brian Flores' defense has typically been a man-heavy, blitz-heavy scheme. And while the blitz-heavy is still there, for sure, they're, they're first in the league in that regard, um, Flores has shifted to more zone this year. So he's actually top 10 in the NFL now in deploying a zone defense. So We've talked about the importance of zone coverage uh, for linebacker tackle efficiency a lot on this show, and and that's really helping Jordan Hicks, I feel like, as well. So this is also a very favorable matchup going against the Saints, who are giving up the second most tackles to the linebacker position this season at 19.6. So Jordan Hicks, to me, just continues to kind of be a locked-in starter. I have him as LB8 this week. Um, yeah, any any thoughts on Jordan Hicks and, and Brian Flores' defense? It reminds me a lot of the Cardinals from a year or two ago with Vance Joseph. Vance Joseph kept blitzing, but would play a ton of zone in cover three. And it was like every play, every defensive play, was like ripping the band-aid off and just hoping that it get cut. It's just, <laughs> and so it's the, it's Judge Jordan Hicks follows, finds himself in a somewhat similar environment because of that change. And so, yeah, I didn't think he'd play full-time, but it's because it was, I thought that they would play plenty of man. And you just don't want Jordan Hicks to turn and run with folks. And that, that hasn't been his his, his duties this year. So he's been able to stay out there and play full-time. And they've really – and the, the safeties been play, playing a fair amount of dime, and really the safeties have, have been the other tacklers on this team. So, yeah, Hicks is a great start this week. One thing I'm really struck by this game is that the line is only Vikings plus two and a half, which I'm, I'm kind of blown away by. I guess people saw what they last week and said, oh, well, yeah, the Vikings can perform with Josh Jobs at quarterback. Like, well, I would encourage everybody to go back and kind of look at the totality of his record there and look at the comments about him when they decided to trade him. Uh, they were th thinking about starting Clayton Toon anyway, even if they hadn't traded him. And so, uh, you know, I, I, I got burned saying this last week, but I'll go back to the well and say I would not expect, you know, a super high number of, of tackle opportunities for the Saints. I don't, don't think that the Vikings are going to be able to control the ball. I think the Vikings will be playing on their defense on their heels. And and so, yeah, if you've got tackles for the Vikings, you go ahead and zoom out. Yeah, I'm with you. And then, yeah, as far as the Saints go, I mean, Demario Davis had a really nice week last week, but it continues to be inefficient as far as the linebacker position goes and pete werner surprisingly has been even more inefficient in in recent weeks as well than than demario davis like shockingly low um tackle efficiency for pete werner um the past few weeks so concerned about those saints linebackers for sure i i have demario davis's lb 36 pete werner lb 42 not guys that i'm particularly interested in even the saints defensive line this week i know carl granderson's been awesome but minnesota's offensive line has been really strong um and and so far josh dobbs has done a decent job at avoiding sacks for the most part um th this season so I, I think this is kind of you know for me it's 
starting the guys that you would normally start in 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 Daniil Hunter and and Jordan Hicks and the Minnesota safeties all of those guys feel like safe bets and then on the New Orleans side of things I just I I not as excited about this group this week I think there could be some uh potential low production for that that Saints uh IDP group now, the only thing I would wonder about is if if if, uh, if a linebacker is spying on Dobbs and Dobbs doesn't just run occasionally he also fumbles pretty softly on pretty frequently which is mildly interesting but still just based on what i said before with the i would anticipate a lower snap volume i'm not not eager to start either of these linebackers unless you're in a big play scoring format where demario davis tends to, to fare a little bit better but yeah i think this is a this is a situation where you know like you said even the saints pass rushers which Given the narrative that we've discussed with game flow so far, you might think that the Saints pass rushers would be the way to go. But other than other than Granderson, who we've relied upon weekly by now, I wouldn't be eager to start anybody else either. Yeah, I'm I'm with you for sure. Um all right, let's let's go on here to the the Green Bay Packers and the Pittsburgh Steelers. And yeah, where where do you want to start with uh, Green Bay or Pittsburgh? I think Green Bay is 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 the biggest question I have about that is Rashawn Gary hasn't had a sack in three weeks. And I know. it's not a super exciting match for him to get one here. It's because of the how incredibly conservative the Steelers offense is that they're just not going to hold the ball and take those sacks. But I would it's fair to note that Rashawn Gary got paid. He's making that big payday. I, I think the team has confidence in him and um you can't rely on him as a weekly starter right now. He's not like not the same conversation with Josh Allen that we talked about a little bit. Uh but talent-wise, he may he may be. It's just that you just can't do it this year. Uh, I mean, maybe late in the year, maybe he'll finally kind of start to put it together. But that's that's a bit of a of a disappointment to me as a guy that, that uh, I was willing to go ahead and take a chance on in the summer. And he played right away. He's on a pitch count for a while, but he's up right. closer to his normal workload, and he's still not producing, which is a which is a, a mild disappointment for me. Yeah, it's been it's been kind of weird, right? Like because when it was early in the season and he was on the pitch count, that's when he was getting the sacks mm-hmm. and he and he was delivering, right? And then after the bye week and and after getting paid, he's playing a lot more. The pass rush metrics are still there, but just hasn't been able to get home yet. So yeah, I've t- I've talked about Rashawn Gary quite a bit on this podcast. I've been high on him and and excited about him. Um, yeah, it, it just uh, hasn't been able to deliver. I think once he starts to, you know, get some more of those favorable matchups, we could start to trust him uh, more consistently. And it's not it's not a terrible matchup just because the Steelers' offensive line has been so poor and their their pass blocking unit as a whole, second worst uh, group in the league as far as pass blocking unit goes. And Kenny Pickett's just done a decent job at at, at avoiding sacks. So um, we'll see if he can get home this week. I, I feel like I I. I trust him on a more regular basis, but I'm not playing him over guys like Josh Allen and obviously the the top five that we've talked about quite a bit in in you know the Miles Garretts and T.J. Watts, Max Crosby's, um, and, and Nick Bosa and guy and Micah Parsons, those guys. But he's somebody that I think. I just I I believe in and I, I gotta believe that the sacks are gonna get there because the pass rush metrics are there. He's performed well. Um the playing time is there now too. It's just yeah, it's been frustrating to not see him get those sacks for sure. Um and then other than that for Green Bay, the only other thing, Quay Walker, we'll see if he's back this week. He missed last game uh with, with an injury. So Isaiah McDuffie filled in. Not like the most amazing matchup for linebackers um, by any means. Uh, the, the 23rd most tackles to the linebacker position uh, is Pittsburgh. So 
Quay Walker, if he plays more LB 21 for me, Devondre Campbell would, would be both would be after him. If not, it's Devondre Campbell first and then Isaiah McDuffie second. Um, anybody else on green Bay, or would you rather talk about the Steelers here? And the only thing I find interesting about green Bay was the, there was a Jonathan Owens sighting. Right. And I thought it was interesting that Owens piled up tackles and he played more of a box role. And Anthony Johnson, the seventh round rookie, played more deep, which was the first time we've, well, I guess we saw a little bit of that last week, but it's interesting to see that disparity because we haven't really seen that over the last couple of years with Joe Barry coordinating that defense. And I'm curious to see what happens. I'm assuming that Rudy Ford's back. I'm curious to see what happens between the two of them and the split because Owens was playing alongside Ford. Ford played a little closer to the line. And Owens played a little bit more deep, and that wasn't a successful matchup uh, pairing. And I'm wondering to see how they adjust this week, and if if um, if Owens will start to settle into a role that's a little bit boxier, that would be worth noting, worth watching. And against the Steelers, where they're you know they're 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 just inviting strong safety to crowd the box, and so I'd be interested to see if that comes to pass here. Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting one for sure. And uh, yeah, I feel like Rudy Ford will be back. Um, if not, though, like you said, Anthony Johnson, the rookie, um, is somebody that's filled in. He he had the, the interception last week too. And um, but yeah, Owens is kind of interesting. Um, Darnell Savage is on IR still, so um, that he should be safe in that role too. So for anybody looking to stream him, um, there's there's at least that option there in Green Bay. Um, but yeah, other than that, I mean, we'll go to the Pittsburgh side of things here because they did lose Cole Holcomb uh, for the season uh, with a pretty ugly looking knee injury. So the Steelers linebackers have kind of been interesting for me. I, I want to embrace Landon Roberts and, and Quan Alexander to, to play closer to full-time roles. And I, I think they will see a larger workload for the rest of the season. But I think for this week, I'm a little bit, I guess, tentative on them. Like, like I'm a little bit lower on them this week. I have Landon Roberts as LB 40, Quan Alexander as LB 41. So right beside each other, the Steelers linebackers to me, they've typically been a little frustrating with the usage of these guys. Um, they, they deploy a lot of situational um, deployments there for their linebackers. So I do want to see, if the the loss of Holcomb makes them abandon that, or if they kind of stick with it, and we still don't really see a full time role for one of these guys, Landon Roberts has been super productive either way. Um, so th there's there's potential for that. I don't think it's going to continue uh, on a larger workload being that efficient. I think I think he leads the linebackers in efficiency at 19.1 percent tackle efficiency. So. Um, the Packers also only giving up uh, 15 tackles per game, which is 26th among uh, NFL teams this year. So it's not an amazing matchup either. I think a Landon Roberts and Quan Alexander should definitely be added with Cole Holcomb gone, but I, I'm not as excited about them this week. I don't know if you have a different read on the situation. Well, I think what's really interesting about Quan Alexander, and you probably know this more quickly than, than anybody, is his tackle efficiency since early on in his career. That first year or two, he was just crazy. I mean, you're putting up 140 tackles a game, and that's large part because they were he was a protective middle linebacker and an overfront and never spilling tackles to him. And ever since then, his tackle efficiency just was checking in here and there. It's always been low. And it just it was again last week. He he played this he was the snap share leader after Holcomb went down. And and Roberts still out tackled him by a comfortable margin. So <laughs> yeah, it's like it's it's hard to believe that you'd have a team where there is not going to be a linebacker that you want to plug in, especially against a team like Green Bay. It's it's not like they're the 
the Chargers. I mean, they're not, you know, so incompetent they can't run the ball at all. But um, it's just I just don't see a path to wanting to play any linebackers for the Steelers. And we've got to see something interesting to change our opinions this week. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. And and again, Steelers playing a little bit more man coverage as well. So we know that that could hurt tackle efficiency. And, and maybe Landon Roberts' role has allowed him to kind of be the more efficient player in there if he's not play if he's playing more of that whole role, I guess, in the man coverage defense. So we'll kind of see. We'll see how it works out this week with Cole Holcomb out of the lineup. Um, and then we'll we'll figure out if we can trust these guys kind of going forward. But um, not the end of the world if you have to start them, but I am a little bit more um a little lower on them this week. All right, let's do a quick uh, ad break here from our friends at DraftKings. And they say, who are the pretenders and who are the contenders? We're more than halfway through the NFL season, but DraftKings Sportsbook is pumping out unbeatable offers every single game. Uh, new customers can bet just five bucks on anything to get $200 instantly in bonus bets. DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of a sweetener offer every game day this October or November. Um, so we had a couple picks last week as far as player props goes. We had Justin Reed over four and a half tackles against Miami and Marshawn Lattimore over four and a half tackles against Chicago. They both failed us miserably. Um, these guys were inefficient as hell. Uh, they did not deliver. They broke our undefeated streak as far as IDP props go on this episode. So we got to come up with two more this week. And I, I went with... Uh, Tyreek Stevenson, Chicago Bears cornerback, over four and a half total tackles. Uh, we talked about that matchup on Thursday night, the, the Panthers giving up the most tackles to the cornerback position on the year. And then my other one is Jordan Hicks, over eight and a half total tackles. Um, we also talked about how much uh, I like Jordan Hicks over there in Minnesota. So feel pretty good about these. How about you, Tripp? Are, are you, you with me on these two? Oh, he's on mute. He's on mute. <laughs> it's okay. I can see. Say, I'm sorry, bud. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was. A, I thought it was. I, I needed it for the ad read, and all of a sudden, we're on the <laughs> sorry, ad I'm reads, involving you. Know? I'm involving you. In it. Yeah, <laughs> but, but yeah, I'm with you. I, I think that those sound like pretty safe bets. I'm not a big tackle prop guy, but yeah, those sound attractive to me. I would. I would expect <laughs> those guys to clear those numbers. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. So we're going to try to get back on track here with our, our prop bets. So um, yeah, get, get in on the NFL action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the app now and use code PFF. New customers can bet just $5 on anything to get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code PFF. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. Licensee partner, Golden Nugget, Lake Charles, uh, Louisiana. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions terms and responsible gaming resources. All right, let's go to the Tennessee Titans at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And Tampa Bay is a pretty straightforward defense for the most part, so we don't have to spend like a ton of um, time on them. But they did add a little wrinkle to their defense this past week in that Ryan Neal was essentially benched in, in for most of this game. He played just 28% of the defensive snaps. Um, D Delaney, who's been a cornerback by trade, saw more work at the safety position for the Buccaneers. 
And Neil, he really has struggled significantly this year, right? So um, he's got a 35.1 coverage grade on the season, which ranks 92nd among 93 qualifying safeties on the year. Um, basically to say that Ryan Neal should not be trusted in IDP lineups this week and likely likely droppable in most formats considering how many safeties are, are out there. But 28% not going to do it. He's been a nice, efficient tackler for IDP purposes, but... Uh, if the team is benching him and moving away from him, then we just want to be aware of that and not and make sure he's out of our lineups this week. Yeah, I'm with you. It's it's just interesting that you know we so often in IDP tend to look for a guy in a role with a particular set of circumstances around it, and it just sometimes we just lose sight of the fact that yeah. you've got to be a good player to hold the job. And they've got younger players in Tampa that you know I I don't know if they still think they're playing for the playoffs or not. But D Delaney was a guy that flashed in the preseason. Play you know, was was uh, I think entered the season as the backup safety. Like you said, was also playing some corner. And um, yeah, it's it's just the other thing is that we always expect sometimes two safeties to play full time. No, it just isn't necessarily so. They can they can rotate as well. And so uh, I I haven't seen the coverage grade for D Delaney, but I've got to imagine that the cover skills are superior and that's going to cost neil some snaps yeah yeah it, it's been a big bummer because I, I liked ryan neil quite a bit coming into the year um and he had a really strong year in seattle last year but just hasn't worked out here in tampa bay and doesn't seem like it's going to be uh, a, a long-term situation for him over there um to stay in tampa bay so other than that though tampa bay's defense like i said pretty straightforward is there anything on tampa bay that that you want to talk about um that that stands out for you well the last thing that stands out for me is that Devin white's just been such an underperformer for the course of the yeah. year and finally showed up last week five tackles four assists and sack um granted it was a track meet against the, against the texans and that certainly helps to bump up your values your your um your tackle your stats but uh you got the the titans this this week which I haven't checked lately, but I'm pretty sure they're one of the slowest paced teams in the league. So that pace isn't quite there. And so it's making Devin White a low four play as he's been in the last much of the season. Yeah, yeah. We liked Devin White a little bit more last week, and, and we talked about his inefficiencies and everything. And definitely delivered last week, but I, the – the way he's performed on the season as a whole has not been very good. And um, I, I have L Levante David as LB nine and Devon or Devin white as LB 27 this week. So to add the Titans given up the 22nd most tackles to the linebacker position. So it's not an amazing matchup by any means. Um, and definitely going back to, to sitting Devin white. If I, if I can afford it in, you know, those two linebacker leagues, basically. Um, but yeah, other than that, I, I think that's pretty much it for, for, tennis or for tampa bay because defensive line guys none of them have really been great kalisha Cansey is kind of interesting the rookie over there he's performed well it's, a, it's not a terrible matchup going against the titans here um will levis is still again he's he's done a good job so far at avoiding sacks but it's a small sample size too so um yeah not not a lot of interesting stuff here for tampa bay at this point in the season um Let's talk about the Titans a little bit. Oops, uh, the, there we are. The Tennessee Titans. Anybody on Tennessee that that's particularly uh, interesting for you? There are two guys that play with a mild cheat code in terms of position designation, which get me interested. Janeko Autry is, in my mind, a defensive end who is often coded a defensive tackle mm -hmm. on your fantasy football platforms. And then you've got uh, Elijah Bolden, who was a nickel last year, has, has been moved to safety and is playing in place of Kevin Byard. 
uh, after Bayard was traded to the Eagles. And so both of those guys, just by virtue of having that that position designation uh, that doesn't quite fit their role exactly, makes both of those guys worthwhile starts uh, unless you have really quality assets going in front of them. So those are the guys that really stand out to me. Yeah, the B- Buccaneers, I, you know, they, they kind of had a track meet too and uh, participated in the track meet that we saw last year, but not to the same extent that the Texans did last week. And Baker Mayfield has been surprisingly giving up the fewest amount of sacks, or not the fewest, but one of the fewest in the league. So it's, that's been an interesting development to watch that offense emerge. So I'm not super excited about anybody on this on this defense. You're starting Elshire because you always do. Uh, but other than that, um, those position designation guys are interesting. Yeah, that's a great call. And yeah, I'm with you. Elijah Molden has been somebody that I've liked as, as like a nickel corner and hope that he would kind of break out as an IDP. It hadn't really happened, but now they're using him as a safety and, and maybe there's some potential for him there and, and still getting that corner designation certainly helps, right? Like you said. Um, but yeah, like you, Baker Mayfield has been surprisingly good at, at avoiding sacks. I think second best uh, behind only Patrick Mahomes. Um, the Buccaneers offensive line has been one of the best in the league. I think the best in the league as far as pass blocking grades go. So it, it's not a great matchup for those Tennessee defensive linemen. Um, Harold Landry, uh, Jeffrey Simmons, Simmons, you're starting. It, it doesn't really matter. He's been so good that you, you can't really take him out of lineups, right. but you could definitely afford to take out a, a Harold Landry. Danico mm-hmm. Autry has been solid, but if there's weeks to, if there's a week to bench him, this could potentially be it. If you have other options as well. Um, All right, let's go to the Atlanta Falcons at the Arizona Cardinals. So not the most exciting game, but we could potentially be getting Kyler Murray back. Uh, We are getting Kyler Murray back, it sounds like, um, in this game. So, uh, yeah, where do you want to start uh, with Atlanta and Arizona? Yeah, that's what I guess is interesting there, right? Is all of a sudden it turns that that offense into a into a unit that mm-hmm. gives a lot of thirty eight tackle opportunities to one that's probably closer to fifty eight or, or more tackle opportunity. Wow, a little high, but you know, like completions are going to come to that sum. But still, it's it makes that more interesting. And uh, in Atlanta, we, it's it's kind of the same story for me. I, you know, we have the the several players that we've kind of been relying on as secondary and tertiary options with Landman and. Ellis and, and both safeties really and like I'd be uncomfortable with that um, I, I would you know it might be tempting to get cute with a pass rusher uh, the one the one the guy that stands out is, is David Animata with um, for the Canadian with a bounce back season I mean, it's like he was relevant what four years ago or something like that and yeah. graded really well a pro football focus and he's back and, and and playing well after a change of scenery from New Orleans to to Atlanta so um, but but it's I'm just interested to see what this offense looks like with Kyler Murray because we haven't seen him since he was in Cliff Kingsbury's offense. And so I think there's a lot of uncertainty around it for me. And that makes none of those Falcons particularly attractive plays to me. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm with you there as well. And yeah, I have like Nate Landman as as LB33 this week. I, I still have him higher than Caden Ellis, even though he's not playing as much. Ellis has just been very inefficient. So Ellis is LB38 this week. And um yeah, great. Uh, David Onyemata has been awesome. Uh, he's been performed really well, like you said. Grady Jarrett, unfortunately, done for the year with the, the torn ACL. But those are real. Those were really the only two defensive linemen that I trust. Now it's just down to one um, mm-hmm. there in Atlanta, and the, the safeties, like you said, Jesse Bates and Richie Grant, have been really good uh, for IDP. But yeah, it could be an interesting matchup here. Um, the, the 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 Cardinals are giving up a decent amount 
uh, to the safety position so far this season, eighth most tackles to, to safeties um, this year. So Jesse Bates and Richie Grant uh, could potentially be in for another strong game, but it is a change at quarterback as well. So we'll see how much that affects um, those numbers, but on the Arizona side of things, it's again, I think kind of the same thing. Uh, it's not an interesting defensive line. Um, we kind of know who we're starting at, at linebacker there in uh, Kaiser White. And then um, other than that, uh, there's the safeties, Buda Baker uh, as well. Jalen Thompson maybe in those deeper leagues, but anybody else on on Arizona for their IDPs that, that you trust this week? No, uh, no, it's just... It's Baker and White, and unless you're in an awfully deep league, I mean, uh, it, uh, folks probably happen to have Baker back. He put up ten total tackles last week, yeah. although six of those were assists, and he hasn't been the same tackle monster he was like 2018, 2019. But mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, I would, I would be shy about pl- plunking him back in this week. And you've got Kyle Pitts in. I don't, I don't think Drake London's playing. He might, that might still be up in the air. So, but um, I'm attracted to see. I'm interested to see what they can do. Uh, the other thing too is the Tyler Heineke is kind of a loose cannon. I mean, that guy, he's a gunslinger, and so you got some some interception opportunity there. So, but yeah, it's 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 a small it's a small list of Cardinals that you want. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm with you. It is definitely a small list, and yeah, Kaiser White, I feel pretty good about. I I, I have him as LB eleven this week. Uh, Atlanta giving up the ninth most tackles to the linebacker position. Um, but yeah, there, there's not a whole lot of IDP goodness here uh, in this matchup. So let's move on to one where maybe there's a little bit more, uh, and that is the Detroit Lions at the uh, Los Angeles Chargers. So a few places we could start with this one, I guess, but we'll start in Detroit since they're coming off a bye. So it's been a while since we talked about them. Um, and Jack Campbell obviously has been kind of the big story there um, this season as far as uh, Lions IDPs go. And for those, especially in dynasty leagues, other than Aiden Hutchinson, um, Jack Campbell, the, there was the frustration at the, the start of the season that he was playing behind guys like Derek Barnes and uh, wasn't getting the playing time that he was, you know, probably deserved considering the personnel in that linebacker room but the past two games that they've played he has been the clear cut uh lb2 for the detroit lions and um he played uh what did he play last game 67 percent of snaps um for the lions last week so it's not a high number but the lions defense only played 46 snaps uh, in total that week so really low snap number to begin with they should see uh, more opportunities this week against the chargers and the interesting thing too was when Campbell played that secondary linebacker role in the first game, he played half of his snaps on the edge. Uh, in that second game, he only played four of those four snaps on the edge. Um, so and 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 still retained that LB two role. So that was good to see, at least for his potential for tackle production. So um, I'm not like overly high on him this week. He's LB thirty nine for me. But um, how, how are you feeling about Jack Campbell and and the Lions linebackers uh, heading into this game? Yeah, I, I got to see it another week. I'm not not plugging in Campbell. I mean, just yeah. 67 isn't awesome. I mean, it's good to see that you know if you're a guy that rosters him, that he's heading in the right direction. Seems to have put Derek Barnes behind him as the last couple of weeks. But the the Chargers, as I mentioned, there's not running the ball at all. They're 32nd and tackles allowed to the linebacker position. The <clears throat> 32nd allowed tackles allowed. Sorry, a little fumble here. Anyway, don't start your linebackers, you know, unless you have to. <laughs> and yeah. Anzalone is this full-time guy. He's, but um, other than that, that's he's your third or fourth guy. I guess you can live with that. 
But other than that, yeah, don't get cute with Jack Campbell. It's not time yet. It's getting close, but it's not here yet. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. That that that's why he's a little bit lower for, on, the, on the rankings for me. I know people are excited about him, but like you said, 32nd, um, the linebackers rank in in uh, the Chargers rank in, in giving up tackles to the linebacker position, so dead last, um, in that regard. So it's not ideal, uh, especially for a guy that's not playing a full time role, but. Obviously, I, I mean, Aiden Hutchinson is somebody that we're definitely starting. We don't feel any kind of concern about him. He's he's had great playing time, great pass rush metrics, great production. There's nothing to be concerned about for Aiden Hutchinson. But anybody else on the Chargers that's uh, interesting for you? The, the only, or on the uh, Lions? Sorry. The Lions, yeah. The, the, only, the only last thing I would say is that if you're a guy that likes to stream cornerbacks, I'm always interested in who's covering Keenan Allen. And right. Brian Branch is the, is the regular nickel. Nickel might be the guy looking at Keenan Allen this week. So Brian Branch, especially if he's got a CBD designation in your, in your league, is a great start. That's a great call. Yeah, Brian Branch is a, definitely an interesting one. Um, he's got the green antenna on his head, whatever. I think it's a mouth guard, but I, I like to call it the green antenna. <laughs> he stands out on the field, and he's been productive. He's been a solid little IDP when he's getting the playing time So and when he's healthy. So I like Brian Branch, and then – Chargers, yeah, giving up second most uh, tackles to the cornerback position. So even somebody like Jerry Jacobs, who started really hot on the year, is kind of cooled down a little bit. I think there's potential for him um, to get uh, to have a nice bounce back game here uh, against the Chargers as well. Um, and then, yeah, speaking of the Chargers for their IDPs, I mean, we could start with oh, let's start with the linebackers again here because Kenneth Murray has been surprisingly solid and the the lions are giving up the third most tackles um to the linebacker position so with murray he's he's averaging seven and a half tackles per game on the season he's had over uh, eight and a half over his last four games he's added two sacks and an interception uh in there as well so you know, he hasn't played a full workload over the past two games, mostly because the Chargers have blown the other team out. So the starters are getting the rest as well. Right. But still delivered as far as tackles go. I think he should see that that 100 percent snap share this week because playing the Lions who are, 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 you know, again, are going to be a tougher matchup. It's going to should be a closer game. So really like Kenneth Murray this week. I have him as LB 16. Nice. Yeah, this is the other game that I'm really interested to see. You just I feel like you have two teams. I think I, I've got. I'm, I'm assuming the Lions are favored. I think a lot of people think the Lions are a lot better. I'm wondering, like, which of these teams are either of these teams legitimate, right? I mean, the Chargers have strung a couple of wins together, gotten themselves to 500. Every year, the Chargers seem to be highly rated. Every year, they seem to not live up to expectations. And then you have the Lions who have a couple of good wins, but boy, that got housed by the Ravens. But then again, the Ravens, that's the Seahawks, too. But I'm interested to see how this game goes. And so the guy the guy that I think could be an impact player in it is Derwin James, because he's going to be looking at some Sam Laporta. I think he had his first um, game with 10 solos in, in the season. Uh, and so uh, he's a guy that's missed a couple of weeks. Maybe he's been a little bit of quiet and maybe a little slightly disappointing Friday B game, IDP gamers, in part because he's not putting up those big plays. But um, I, I, I'm intrigued by him this week and would be excited to get him in my lineup. 
Yeah, I'm 100% with you there. He stays safety one for me, but the Lions are giving up the the fourth most tackles to the safety position as well. So it's a really nice matchup for Derwin James um, to take advantage of and and put up some production there. And like you said, the Lions are favored. They are three-point favorites on the road against the Chargers this week. So um, yeah, people still very high on the Lions, and I guess they are aware that the Chargers tend to uh, choke in close games as well. So uh, we'll see if um, if they could break the trend this week. It, it, it should be a fun game to watch but um anybody else uh, for los angeles you mentioned derwin james joey bosa cleo mack tuli tui pelotu all coming off two sack games against um the jets on uh monday night but facing a tougher defensive line or offensive line here and jared goff as well who's done a really nice job at avoiding sacks so far this season so I'm not as excited about them this week. Joey Bosa, I, I trust to an extent, but guys like Khalil Mack, Tui Pelotu, maybe to a lesser extent. Yeah, I'm with you there. Bosa, I'm, I'm a, I'm, I guess I'm a truther on Joey Bosa, but um, even now he'd be a low DL, DL two with with this yeah. matchup for me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I think that's pretty much it for this game. So let's go to the New York Giants at the Dallas Cowboys. It feels like these teams play each other 10 times a year, but um, I just I guess it just feels that way because they're always on prime time. This time they are not, other than they'll probably be the America's Game of the Week or whatever they call it. So uh, where do you want to start uh, with uh, the Giants and the Dallas Cowboys? Well, well, this is the one game that we mentioned at the top. This is the one game where you've got a big line. You've got the Cowboys favored yeah. by about 16 and a half points. And I, I think it has something to do with the fact that the Giants went down the street, knocked on the door of the local pizza, the pizza joint. So, hey, we need to start it. So here's this guy named DeVito. He's going to play. So, you know, if you're Micah Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence and Dorrance Armstrong, you're just licking your chops. You're just, you're just so excited to trot those guys out there this week. And not like you get a ton out of Lawrence and Armstrong this year, but if you got them, this would be the week to play them. Yeah, this is uh, this is a really really nice matchup against uh, the worst pass blocking unit in the league for the New York Giants. And then, yeah, like you said, Danny DeVito is that quarterback there, or Tommy DeVito, whatever you want to call him. Um, <laughs> he has not been good, and it is not going to be pretty. I think uh, Micah Parsons is going to eat. Uh, well, hopefully, Demarcus Lawrence does as well. He's he just hasn't been able to deliver those sacks, even though he's got like star- strong pass rush metrics. He's been another one of those guys that's been a little bit frustrating um, as far as like sacks production goes but really good player especially for nfl purposes still um, really good run defender off the edge and, and pass rusher too so um I, I it would be interesting to see if he can get home this week i, I would imagine that he can against uh devito's uh and and the giants pass blocking unit but other than that for dallas um, the other interesting thing was that Marquise Bell, uh, who has a safety designation or DB designation on, on a lot of platforms, uh, emerged as kind of their lead linebacker last week by, by only by a couple snaps or so over Damone Clark. But Marquise Bell playing over 90% of snaps, and um, he's been a decent option so far this season in, in Dallas's defense. So I, I don't mind the matchup here. This is a, a team going against the Giants who are uh, seventh. They give up the seventh most tackles per game to the linebacker position. So Marquise Bell not playing in the most ideal defense for for tackle efficiency, but um, I have him as LB 25 this week and then Damone Clark a little bit lower than that. But um, yeah, any interest in, in guys like Marquise Bell or, or Damon Clark against this Giants team? I would be hesitant to start tacklers and in, in all against this. I worry about their ability 
to possess the football and, and to pile up enough yeah. tackle opportunities for the opposing defense. It was interesting to see like uh, the Donovan Wilson, the safety for the Cowboys, who might be the best known of right. two IDP gamers, had a single tackle last week against the Eagles, who at the time are giving or uh, fueling the safety opposing safety position with the most statistics, most yeah. fantasy points. So that, that and that's an interesting development that Bell is playing more than all those guys. He's playing more than Jay Rock Curse and more than. Uh, Donovan Wilson, and then more than the deep safety Willie Cooker too. So, yeah, it's 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 interesting times. And Bell is the guy that was probably super cheap. He's probably benefiting from that position designation. If you can put in that guy who's playing the hybrid linebacker role into your safety spot, that's that that's that's probably a risk that I'd be willing to take, despite my concerns over pace. Yeah, yeah, I think that makes perfect sense. And yeah, that's why I, I really like him if you can if you have him as that DB designation or safety designation, because now you're getting a guy that's playing almost a full-time role potentially at linebacker, and you could plug him into your safety spot. That is a, a true cheat code at the position. So somebody to definitely keep an eye out there for Marquise Bell. And yeah, I'm with you. That that production for Donovan Wilson was really, really strange for me last week. It was just the ball was just avoiding him. Um, and he did lead the safety group in snaps. J. Ron Curse has been concerning too. He's dropped to the the lowest snap share of the three safeties over the past few weeks as well. So he's had a little bit more production, but definitely something to kind of keep an eye on. I think I'm still going to be ranking Donovan Wilson probably higher than him um, going forward, even though the last few weeks haven't been super productive for them. But um, got to follow the snaps there, and it's been decent usage for Donovan Wilson too. So um, let's go to the New York Giants side of things. So Giants have been a good little team as far as some like certain idps and and specifically guys like bobby okereke and and cave on thibodeau um dexter lawrence has been amazing this year as far as uh, the interior defensive line goes um and even xavier mckinney so i'll start with xavier mckinney um i think this is again one of those better matchups for the safety position dallas is giving up 14.6 tackles per game to the safety position that's the fifth most on the year uh, Xavier McKinney spent 32% of his defensive snaps lined up in the box this season, but over the past two games, that numbers jumped up to 43%, um, and that helped lead to his first double-digit tackle uh, game this past week as well. So I think the tackle or the usage could continue here for McKinney. He might find himself, for me at least, ranked a little bit higher going forward if that usage kind of continues to be on an upward trend. And this is this is a favorable map favorable matchup. So I have my safety 13 this week. Nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm perfectly comfortable with starting all the Giants that you would normally start, with the possible exception of the Kayvon Thibodeau. Uh, it's just, I guess it's a question of how much do you believe in that talent and that breakout potential. So that's a guy that I'm thinking about, you know, what other options I like. Joey Bosa and Thibodeau I, right. would be close for me. But, um, yeah, the safeties, I'll just go ahead and put them in there for sure. You're, you're bound to get some points, and then you like the aggression that they use these safeties with. Pinnock had a sack last week, I think. Uh, so and they're, they're both patch rush. So yeah, they're, they're in, interesting options there for sure. Yeah. Thibodeau, the, the thing with him is that he's just, he's played a ton too. Like he doesn't necessarily have amazing pass rush metrics on the year, but he's played so much that he's been able to, to get vault, um, volume-based production too so that's been the nice thing but yeah dallas not necessarily the easiest matchup for for pass rushers either um so yeah it'll be it'll be one to keep an eye on and definitely um 
yeah, I wanted to check the rankings for it. I'm, I'm just going to check mine, actually, speaking of it right now. So, I yeah, I have Joey Bosa a little bit lower than Thibodeau this week. Um, Joey Bosa more in that edge two range, and then Thibodeau low end edge one. Um, so still kind of a, a believer in, in the, the volume more than anything for, for, for Thibodeau. But, um, yeah, we'll see how it goes this week. Um, all right, let's go on to another NFC East team here, and that's the Washington Commanders, who are going to Seattle to face the Seahawks. Um, this game, let's start with the well, let's start with the Washington uh, defensive line uh, without Montez Sweat and Chase Young because these guys have not been good. They're they're the production last week obviously wasn't there for anybody. There were no sacks for the Washington defense, so. James Smith-Williams, Casey Tuhill, those were the guys that stepped into larger roles, um, which was what we expected, but we also knew that there was going to be a pretty significant drop-off in, in talent and production over there. So if you're uh, you know, somebody desperate for, for a plug-and-play, looking for some volume, do you have a preference between a James Smith-Williams or a Casey Tuhill, uh, say, rest of season? Well, I mean, how many edges do you start? Four. <laughs> I, mean, I just don't want anything to do with any of those guys. Yeah, yeah. I, it, you know, there was a moment there where I thought James Smith Williams might do something last year, and it yeah. just by the end of the year they were just dead weight out there. So no, I, I don't. I would, and the Seahawks are not exactly giving up sacks left and right either. So, um, and Geno Smith, I mean, he's, he hasn't been hasn't been awesome, but he's not he's not he's not Danny Dimes either. Yeah, no, this is uh <laughs> this is a pretty stingy like offense the 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 Seahawks are, right? As far as giving up points to the to, to opposing IDPs. So Geno Smith has been uh, doing a good job at avoiding sacks. Um as far as giving up tackles to the linebacker position, uh, the Seahawks ranked 27th. They're just average in tackles to the safety position, and then they're like bottom five to the cornerback and defensive line position. So really hard to find production against Seattle um, for, for opposing IDPs. So there's really not a ton of guys on Washington that become super interesting this week. I mean, Cameron Curl, we, we, we feel pretty comfortable about starting him in the safety position because he's been so good and he has such great alignment, but Jamin Davis, he, he's playing a full-time role now, but been very inefficient as well. David Mayo is somebody that we could think about, but I don't know if there's, necessarily anybody as far as the corners go as good as they've been benjamin st juiced and guys like that um he, he's been really good but i don't know that i'm necessarily plugging him into a lineup this week either oh no yeah it's just, it's interesting to see how far down jonathan allen is right now in the, the total, yeah. total fantasy board right now and boy did he come on small in a decent matchup last week that was that was interesting to see i i continue to believe that he's a good player but yeah. um, it's interesting to see how this line comes together with both of those edges missing. Where, you know, I, I wonder if what can they do to free those guys up because there's just not going to be any need to double anybody on the edge. Yeah, no, Allen and and Deron Payne are going to see yeah a ton of um, attention there uh, from the offensive line and, and pass blockers. So I, I'm concerned about them as well I, I still like jonathan allen quite a bit um and and like him more than deron Payne, but yeah don't feel great about this matchup and uh, a little concerned that these guys are probably bummed out that they lost their running mates there uh, as yeah. well off the edge right so that doesn't help uh morale either yeah it's hard it's hard to play for a team like that i mean the writing's on the wall at this point i mean mm -hmm. you gotta imagine rivera's gone and so 
you're playing out the string. And if you guys like Deron Payne and John Allen, I mean, you've got your contracts, you've, you're veteran players, you know, what, what, you know, I, and I, I can't, I have never been in an NFL locker room. I can't speak to motivation, but you wonder how you work through that. Yeah. Yeah, it's got to be tough, I, I imagine. So we'll see how much it affects kind of their production and, and, and performance over the rest of the season. Um, but then on the, the Seattle side, obviously there's a lot of guys that we feel a decent, decently good about in Bobby Wagner and Jordan Brooks. Uh, feeling pretty good about Jamal Adams, not as high on him as I was last week, and he did kind of disappoint a little bit last week as well. Um, but Boye Mafe has been somebody that has uh, been very interesting as of late. He's delivered a sack in six straight games, um, and then heading into this week's matchup, he's facing the NFL's most sacked quarterback, uh, Sam Howell. So Howell's taken 44 sacks on the year. I, it probably creates a pretty good opportunity for Mafe to increase that sack streak to seven games. Um, we'll see if it happens. He's earned a solid 77.7 pass rush grade. Maybe that's a sign that the seventh straight game is coming as well um, with that 77.7 pass rush grade. Um, but that ranks 22nd among edge defenders as well. So not too shabby there for uh, Boye Mafe here. And I guess it's year two for him, um, I believe, right? So uh, yeah, nice nice matchup for Mafe uh, going against Sam Howell. But anybody else on Seattle that, uh, that you like this week? You know, if you needed a dart throw, if you got guys on bye week that you can't get them in there, I, they can't, that you got to find somebody in the waiver wire. I don't hate picking up Daryl Taylor and putting him in there. Mm-hmm. He hasn't been particularly good this year, but and and he's lost snaps because he's just he's such a liability at times in terms of missed assignments, bad and run defense. But he's been a productive pass rusher in the past, and so if if you need a spot start, I don't I don't hate going there either. Yeah, I, I think that's a good call. Um, I have him fairly close to to Mafe this week. I Mafe is edge twenty four, and then I have Daryl Taylor as like edge twenty six. So um, feel pretty good about those guys as far as potential starters in in some of those deeper leagues. But yeah, we'll we'll see if Sam Howell's. He's been a little bit better at, at avoiding sacks in, in the past couple of games. So we'll see if that kind of continues <laughs> and he can continue to kind of improve his his pressure to sack conversion rate uh, as the weeks go on. But anything uh, else from this game, or should we go on to Sunday night football? Well, Sunday night football, football in America. Let's do it. Um, yeah, New York Jets at the Las Vegas Raiders. Man, I cannot believe um, we are getting another Zach Wilson uh, primetime <laughs> game here. The, after Monday night, that was one of the worst performances like just like disgusting game to watch um and so we're gonna have to deal with it again um so <laughs> new york jets at the las vegas raiders trip uh where do you want to start uh with this game well this is another one we're excited to fire up the edge rushers right i mean just you got yeah. max crosby had three sacks last week he might have four or five this week uh boy it's just it, it's but you know, so obviously you're looking for more actionable news than that so and tyree wilson has started to play a little bit you know so that that's a guy that um, that makes uh, that makes me mildly interested to see what he could do. I mean, the, obviously they drafted the guy because he had a high ceiling. He had, a, you know, probably NFL body ready to go, not an NFL skill set. But this is such a need there in in Las Vegas to for a pass rusher to step up. And with this being such a such an opportune matchup, I, this that's a guy that you know again bye weeks and injury replacements that. I'd be interested to see what I can, what I can, what I might get out of him this week. Yeah, he's yeah a little bit interesting, right? He's got he's got in on a couple sacks in in two of the last three games or so. Um, 
so yeah, there's potential there that, you know, it's, it's not a terrible snap share for him and, and a good matchup. We'll see, right? He's, he's definitely not a refined pass rusher yet by, by any means, but you know, if he could get some volume in his snaps and, and take advantage of these, these poor matchups, because man, yeah, the jets offensive line last week just got destroyed. Obviously we saw that against the chargers, right? So there's, there's definitely potential there. I like the call there for Tyree Wilson in those deeper leagues. Um, and then, yeah, other than that, um, Robert Spillane the, the, and, and company for the linebackers, this isn't uh, the most ideal matchup for, for linebacker tackles. Uh, the, the Jets are giving up the 25th most tackles per game to the linebacker position. So Robert Spillane, as he's been solid this year, but he's more LB29 for me this week. And then we'll see what happens with the rest of the group because Divine Diablo, questionable again. Luke Masterson, still questionable. We saw Amari Bernie and Jalen Smith get some playing time uh, last week, but it only takes Spillane or, or, or I mean, that's Spillane, uh, Diablo or Masterson uh, to come back this week for them, for those other guys to kind of fall down the depth chart and be completely irrelevant. So hopefully one of them is back this week so we don't have to deal with the Amari Bernie or Jalen Smith situation. Right. Yeah. No, the only thing that's interesting about Spillane for me, it's interesting I'm not at 29. I don't think there's, I don't, I mean, the Jets have shown an ability at times to get going and if they can run the football if they can get Brees hall going they have an opportunity to really put the raiders on their heels and yeah. put them into some game flow where they have an opportunity to pile up some tackles so that's interesting but yeah you, the, you can't bet on either of the other two guys now with diablo I thought we saw diablo with a partial snap share i think he once when he was healthy so uh, not yeah. a ton of options of friday piece for the raiders yeah there's there's really not and yeah i guess they just don't have very much confidence in that Jets offense to get going. And I love Brees <laughs> Hall. I love Garrett Wilson, but God, it mm. is so frustrating to watch um, them with uh, uh, Zach Wilson at quarterback. So uh, on the Jets IDP side of things, I mean, I don't think we have much question about CJ Mosley or, or Quincy Williams, but we might have question about uh, Quincy's brother, Quinnen, who's been fairly snake bitten uh, this year, just the half sack still. We, we keep talking about it. He only has a half sack on the season, but continues to play at a high level. has been delivering pressures. The pass rush metrics are there. Really good player. This isn't the best matchup, um, unfortunately, for him, unless he can get through that pass blocking unit and get to Aiden O'Connell, who still has a very high pressure to sack conversion rate, mostly because he allowed seven sacks in one game. Um, so it's still a small sample size as far as that goes. But um, Quinn and Williams, uh, Robert Sala came out about it today. He was talking about how sacks are an overrated uh, uh, metric and Quinn and Williams doing all the right things and he's not concerned about him in any, any way. And, and this is what we've been talking about. We talk about this all the time on the podcast. The sacks will come. The, the playing the playing time is there. The pass rush metrics are there. Just a matter of time for Quinn and Williams once he starts delivering those sacks. So I know we keep saying it and he keeps not delivering a sack, but he's finding ways to be productive either way. Yeah, it's, uh, he's that uh, he's top 10 in quarterback pressures on pro football reference too, which is cutting them differently than y'all are. They're pro football right. focus. So it's not because he's playing bad. He's just, it's just as um, it's puck luck. He's a hockey term. It's just not going yeah. into that. I like it. I like using the hockey <laughs> term there. I appreciate that trip. Uh, <laughs> anybody else here on the jets that uh, is, uh, is somebody that worth talking about for you? Yeah, let's, let's chat about Jermaine Johnson a little bit, man. Sure. He's I, he's a guy that started to break out a little bit. Um, and, and see, Aiden O'Connell, yeah, I don't, I do trust a rookie quarterback to hold the ball too long. 
It's a mixture of Johnson's a somewhat interesting factor on this one. This is a hard game to read, right? We don't really know who the Raiders are, and they've put some absolute stinkers out there. They showed some fire and some life last week. The Jets are another team, like, and it, but uh, so much of the Jets is about their quarterback play. I get that, but um, it's another interesting game that could, could could really go a lot of different directions. So it makes me worry worry a little bit for the tacklers on, on that front, where I'm not sure what the game flow is likely to be. But um, you know, I think in this case with with these lines and these quarterbacks, I'm pretty comfortable firing up pass rushers. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I I really like what Jermaine Johnson uh, has shown this year. 72.6 pass rush grade on the year. I have him as edge 20 this week. Raiders pass blocking unit's been really solid, but like you said, uh, Aiden O'Connell back there at at quarterback. So um, there there should be potential for him to kind of get home again, and he's he's delivered. Even guys like Boye Mafe, you're you're getting a little bit risky playing a, a Boye Mafe just because the playing time isn't necessarily there yet but for those deeper leagues or big play leagues uh to try to take a shot on a guy boy mafia has been really solid so there's there's a lot of weapons on this um jets defensive line and and that that includes will mcdonald who we haven't even really seen uh just yet at, at their first round pick from this past year so um yeah some guys to definitely consider here for this game like you said but uh yeah, that, that's pretty much going to do it for um, the Sunday night football options. So let's go to our final game of the week, Monday night football. It is the Denver Broncos uh, at the Buffalo Bills. So, man, where to start with this one? Uh, let's start with the Buffalo Bills linebackers. So Terrell Bernard left last game uh, with a concussion. So that Definitely makes things a little bit tricky for this week, considering the Bills play on Monday night. We would hope that he clears the concussion protocol before Monday and that there's some clarity there. I guess if it's going into Sunday and you have to choose between somebody playing on Sunday or Terrell Bernard on Monday night, you might want to play it safe and play the Sunday player instead um, just because it's going to be, it might be harder to clear that concussion protocol just a week after um, suffering the concussion. If Bernard can't go, we probably see a lot more Tyrell Dodson. There's potential for Dorian Williams to work in there, but if Bernard is playing, we probably see less Tyrell Dodson, not a full-time role from what we've seen them in their small sample size recently. And they've deployed more of a three safety look um, considering the injuries that they've had at, uh, at linebacker and, and not feeling comfortable with guys like Tyrell Dodson or Dorian Williams in a full-time role either. So um, yeah, I, I don't know that, that that's a lot of words basically to say, kind of be <laughs> cautious uh, about this bills linebacker um, position this week. Uh, going against the Denver Broncos, so I don't know how how are you feeling about the, this group trip? Yeah, I just avoid them. I mean, it's it, if if you're it's hard to imagine a scenario where your league is so deep that there's nothing on the waiver wire that you could plug in there. Um, I I suppose you can make an argument that you really badly need a win, and so you want the upside of waiting for Bernard. But um, yes, I mean linebacker can't be that tough to get four or five tackles out of and. You know, it's it maybe only half the production that you're going to get from Terrell Bernard, but it's something. And then, yeah, the rest of it, I'm not really very interested in what I can get out of Tyrell Dodson or you know or Dorian Williams at this point. So um, it's 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 uh, it, real. There's not a lot to like here for me, in my opinion. I guess the only thing players I would be watching would be Greg Rousseau and Leonard Floyd, the edge rushers. Neither guy has been a guy that you would would 
want to start week in and week out, but um, Russell Wilson does hold the ball. Uh, he uh, got the Broncos QB pressure. The sack conversion rate is, is sixth. So, um, again, Wilson has historically gone down. All those Broncos defenses play or offenses playing so conservatively lately, the opportunities haven't been quite as abundant as they may have been in the past. So I'm not eager really to start any, any, um, any bills, IDPs, um, it's, it's, you know, unless I'm in a deeper league. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. It, it's, it's a nice matchup because Russell Wilson, like you said, has that higher pressure to sack conversion rate, um, sixth best for, for players to take advantage of. Um, so Gregory Rousseau, yeah, he's a startable edge defender for me. Leonard Floyd, uh, I don't know. I, I don't feel amazing about him, but I would be um, fine starting him if needed, probably over somebody like Von Miller. But yeah, I had a question um, today or, or yesterday. I can't remember now, but it was like just the worst options at the, uh, along the defensive line for, for starting. It was like Lakai Fotu and, and like <laughs> I think Amari Barno and, and Von Miller um, in there. So, or an Arden key as well. And, and all these guys that have just either not got the playing time or just have not produced. And Von Miller hasn't got the playing time, but I mean, I don't know. I, I, I went with Von Miller to, to start out of that group just because he's playing his former team um, and he's still Von Miller. So uh, there's potential there. It was really like like low, low um, outcome options. So I uh, yeah. went with the highest option there in Von Miller against the Broncos. So, um, yeah, other than that, the Bills uh, IDPs aren't overly interesting. So um, let's talk about uh, the Denver IDPs and uh maybe the linebackers i don't know the, the what are we at here the bills the, give the 11th most tackles per game to the linebacker position it's it's really not a group to really have to try to figure out too hard uh, alex singleton's playing more than josie jules so alex singleton comes as comes in as lb18 josie jules lb31 for me um anybody else really on denver that that's interesting to you any interest in the denver defensive line well, it's it's interesting, right? Those players just not this week, but it's certainly yeah. interesting to see how that continues to evolve. With each of those three guys now, Baron Browning and Nick Benito and and uh, Jonathan Cooper have had splash weeks where they just really put in volume. But uh, Josh Allen is not a guy that's taking a lot of sacks, um, and, and boy, lately it's like that uh, offense has you know, I don't I didn't see what the snap numbers were after that Bengals office but it, oh boy I think the time of possession for the Bills is real low so just not a lot of opportunities you certainly got to imagine they could possess the football against the Broncos but the Broncos yeah. defense plays effectively against the Chiefs two of the last three weeks uh so you know it's 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 interesting to see what comes of this but yeah I'm not th- there's really not an IDP that I'm excited to start here you always start Alex Singleton he's the one guy that you know you're yeah. rolling with but boy, the rest of it just—it's just kind of a snooze fest. Yeah, it's going to be—I uh, feel like a pretty boring IDP matchup for for mm-hmm. Monday Night Football, like you said. And even like on the Bill side, like Jordan Poyer, who's been you know decent this year, Denver's given up the thirty-second most tackles to the linebacker position, so dead last in, in that regard. So uh, there's just not a lot to love for this Monday Night Football matchup. And you know, feel free to check the rankings to see where the rest of these guys uh, fall, but. Um, I feel like we've covered pretty much the the, the main ones here. Yep. 
Yeah, so that is going to do it. Um, I put a wrap on our uh, IDP preview episode for this week. So again, hope you all found that helpful as we kind of go through these matchups and and players to talk about. Um, and and again, um, we, we have uh, all the rankings and everything in the episode description as well that you can check out um, and, and snap shares and all of that stuff as well. Um, but a huge thank you to my guy, Trip for coming on and breaking this this week's slate down with me, Trip. Uh, I can't thank you enough uh, for for coming on here and, and giving up uh, an hour and forty minutes of, of your night and dropping all this insight into the world of IDP and helping me break down break it all down. I really really do appreciate it. Thank you. Oh, yes, sir. I was glad to do it. I just really love 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 talking with you. I love learning from you too. I always learn something on the podcast with you. It's it's great. It's great breakdown of the stuff, man. You do a great job. Oh, oh, thank you very much. I, I, yeah, I appreciate that. And hopefully, yeah, people find it helpful and, and, and learn, and, and you could definitely learn a lot from trip as well. So trip, um, before you go, please let everybody know where they could find uh, all of you, your, your work and, and where they could find you on Twitter as well. Yeah. Footballguys.com. I'm dropping a weekly column called reading the defense where I'm digging a little bit deeper into not just the who's, but the why's of which players that you might chase or, or fade it. And um, and then at, at, on Twitter, the app formerly known as Twitter, I am at Dynasty Trip. Always happy to take uh, some questions and and shoot the breeze and talk football on Twitter as well. Yes, absolutely. Check out Trip's work. I promise you will be smarter for it. Um, and then as for me, uh, you know, all my work can be found on pff.com. Um, we have the IDP fantasy report, IDP rankings, wide receiver man zone coverage report, O-line, D-line matchups to target and avoid. All of those will all be out by Friday morning. Um, and then, yeah, I'll, I'll be back tomorrow previewing the offensive side of the ball uh, with great the, the great Kate Majuk. So we will see you all then. And until next time, peace out.